good to see you. Welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. I'm Shannon. I get to be the lead pastor here. It's a great, great privilege if I haven't met you before. I would love to meet you, so I'll hang out after the service and talk to you. But there's going to be other people that are also going to be hanging out after the service to talk to you as well. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a few moments. So we are starting this new series today called Eight Traits of a Disciple. Eight Traits of a Disciple. And this is based on the book of Acts. So we're going to be looking at uh, this over the next eight weeks, since there's eight traits that we're going to be looking at, and we're going to be walking through the book of Acts together. So I thought since we're going to spend eight weeks talking about this, it would probably be best then to um, set a baseline definition of what we mean when we say disciple, okay? So uh, here's our definition that we've given to this. I'm sure you can come up with a, a better one, or but this is the one we just kind of want to help us get an idea of what it means to be a disciple. And it's this, a disciple of Jesus is someone who listens and learns and then acts. So they listen, they, they learn, they don't just listen and, and in one ear and out the other, like they take it in, they learn it, and then they act upon what they've learned. That's our definition for a disciple during this um, series. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 today, uh, but before we look at that, I want us to start in Matthew chapter 16 and look at a verse verse 24 because Jesus sets the standard for a disciple for someone who listens and learn and acts and this is what Jesus says in Matthew 16:24 he says whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me that's what Jesus says to those who want to follow him, who want to be his disciple. They've got to deny themselves. That's a really important um, thought for us to have today, to hold on to. The denial of self, taking up our cross, and following Jesus. And we say here, like we have a tagline, we're following Jesus for our community and sometimes I wonder, like, what do we mean or what do you hear or how do you define following Jesus? What does that actually look like for you? That's why we have the definition of a disciple, someone who listens, learns, and acts. And then we see what Jesus says, this is what it's going to take to be a disciple, right? You may have been doing the church thing for a while, a long while. You may have been, you know, do, coming and, and being a part of here or somewhere else and, and doing the church thing and just kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm following Jesus, but I, I really, during today, I, but then in the whole series, I want to challenge us to, to kind of go, okay, let's, here's the definition of a disciple. This is what Jesus says. We're about to look in Acts to see how the disciples actually acted. And, and maybe our definition of following Jesus might change a little bit, like it might shift a little bit. Because if you go, and go back into the Gospels, right? Go back in and read the accounts of what Jesus was doing, like his ministry, the three and a half years of his ministry. And what you find is often, 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 there are tons of people wherever Jesus was. I mean, especially once the word got out that there was this man, prophet, teacher, God in human flesh, like they weren't really sure. But once they heard that, that miracles were happening, people's lives were changing, like bread, like a couple pieces of bread and fish were now feeding a whole bunch, like people started following because they heard about this. And so if he was at the temple, then people would go to the temple. If he was on a mountainside, people would go to the mountainside. If he was um, a, in a boat teaching because he had to kind of push out 
because the shoreline got so crowded. Like, but wherever he went, people followed. And so he had followers. But they weren't necessarily disciples, right? They were, they were spectators. They were spectators. And so I want to make sure that we don't uh, attribute a, a spectator mindset when we think about being a disciple of Jesus, that we're just watching, that we're just going, okay, that's what he did, okay, cool. Like, no, that, that we're actually part of it. Now, listen, I think everyone starts as a spectator. I was a spectator. I was a spectator before I became a believer. So I don't want to knock being a, spec a spectator. But my goodness, after a while, something needs to change. Like, that we're called to act. That's why we're doing this study in the book of Acts. Okay? So here we have these uh, disciples, not just people that followed and spectated, but we have his disciples. And what did they do? They, they learned from him. They listened to him. And then they acted on it. And, and that's what this whole book, this whole study is going to be about, are the disciples of Jesus carrying out what he taught them, what he said to them. And actually it started it make more sense to them because they had the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, the first trait, eight traits of a disciple is the series name. Uh, the first trait I want us to look at today is that a disciple is communal. Communal. That's not really a word we use a whole lot really anymore, but here's what that means. A communal. It's, in Acts chapter 2, what we find is the church has been born, Pentecost has happened, the Holy Spirit has come, and now they, Jesus told them, hey, listen, I'm going to leave. I'm going back to the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to help you understand Scripture and live it out and even do some of the same things that I've done. So the Holy Spirit has come, Pentecost has happened, and now the believers are there together. And there's this word that's used to describe the beginning and the birth of the church, and it's this Greek word, koinonia. Koinonia. You may have heard it before if you've ever done any kind of word studies or Bible studies and stuff. But koinonia, it means fellowship, it means togetherness, it's this idea of commonality, it's people coming together, it's, it's, it's fellowship. I've already said that word, right? We get our word, communal because that's a trait of a disciple. It's also where we get our word communion. It's where we get our word community. I mean, like these words, koinonia. And so in Acts chapter two, we see this word and we see it as this, we see the church developing. And we're gonna pick up in verse 42 of Acts chapter two. So like I said, Pentecost has happened. The Holy Spirit has come and now they are starting to be the church. And it says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that's that word, koinonia, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So it wasn't just that they had communion together, but they would, you know, do brunch or whatever. So they would do that. And, and to prayer, at verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. That's the work of the Holy Spirit through them. Verse 44, and all the believers met together. So there's this communal. So you see this happening? They met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. We're going to talk about needs here in a few moments. Verse 46, they worshiped together. So there's that communal mindset at the temple each day. So they worship together. They didn't just go, hey, Jesus is there. Let's go and hear what he says. No, they went to worship together. Um, 
They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared in their meals with great joy and generosity. Don't y'all love it when someone shares their meal with you with generosity, like their french fries? See, this is the church. Um, Verse 47, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship, so there's this communal mindset again, those who are being saved. You know, a lot of times we can look at the end of verse 47, that last sentence, and think, you know, oh yeah, we, let's get our numbers up, let's, let's get, you know, let's get attendance and, and things like that, and, and, and that's all fine and good, but the most important part of that sentence is that the Lord added those who were being saved. I mean, through the, the, the living, the day-to-day living, the actions of the disciples of the early church, just through their living, people came to know Christ. The way they lived in community with one another was a witness to the world. So, if we take Jesus' description of a disciple in Matthew 16, right? Someone who denies self and who follows Jesus. And now we take the description of the, the birth of the church, the early church in Acts 2. What we see then is that a disciple makes Christ centered community a priority in their life. A disciple makes Christ-centered community a priority. Being part of a, of a Christ-centered community, what that means is that we need to establish and maintain a priority of, of being and serving together. I mean, and we think to ourselves, well, yeah, I'm, I make that a priority, or maybe, I, you know, I don't really have a lot of priorities in my life. That's not true. We all have, we have priorities. We have so many priorities we make so many things priorities. We make things priorities that should not even be on the list of the things we do, and yet it's like number one priority. Like, we, we are people who make priority. Like, we have stuff that we do, and then we also, like, rank them. And, and so a disciple makes Christ-centered community a priority because you see Jesus saying, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, you want to be my disciple your life is going to be different if you follow me it cannot remain the same and then you look at the church in acts 2 and you see wow these people are are functioning together they're like they've got like they're they're eating together sharing meals they're worshiping together when someone has a need they help them out like this was not normal and the world around them saw it and it was like oh wow Something's different. Let me know about this. Tell me more about this. Can I be a part of this? Yeah, come on. So being a disciple makes Christ-centered community a real priority. It, it can't be a back burner thing. It, it, just, it just can't. So being part of Christ-centered community, what it does, it means we need to establish, if you're a disciple, okay, it means we need to establish and, and maintain the priority of, of being and serving together. So we see this in the early church. We see them demonstrating this. We see them hanging out together and eating together and worshiping together, all these things. And what you find is there at some point, 
we don't necessarily see it happen individually in people's lives when you look at scripture, but there is a clear shift and a reordering of their priorities. You see it. There, there's a clear shift. Something changes. There is a denial of self. When you look at what's happening in Acts chapter 2, those people in there, that was not a bunch of spectators. Because spectators don't say, oh, you know, so-and-so needs help. Well, you know what? I've, I've got this extra cow I don't need. I'm going to go sell it and help them out. Like, that's, spectators don't do that. Disciples do that. So, so you see this clear shift. They denied self. There, there was a demonstration in Acts chapter 2 of disciples of Jesus having a higher regard for one another than they did previously. And so I say all that and I, I keep pointing back to it because this is, this is not an abstract idea when I say, hey, let's be communal. Hey, let's all try to hang out together. Like, oh, I don't know if I want to do, like, this is not, this is not theory. This is what they did. This is not just a couple of points for us to write in notebooks and journals and then not look at it again. Like, this is, this is what, what they did. See, the book of Acts is called Acts because that's what the followers of Jesus did. They acted, right? It, it's not called sits. It's not called spectates. It's called Acts. Like, they responded to what God doing in their life. And so their faith compelled them outward in action. Their faith compelled them outward, not inward. See, a person who denies self will then goes, okay, well now, let's, what can I do out here? But if you're not denying self, then everything's on, well, what can I do for me? So there was a denial of self. So the purpose of this whole series is so that, and really, it's, I'd say it's the purpose of any time we, any of us get up here and talk, but if the purpose of this series is for us to go, okay, this is what Scripture says, and now let's try to live this out. This is what I see in Scripture. This is what I see. This is what I saw them doing, and what, what do I need to re, you know, prioritize in my own life so that I am lining up with Scripture? So we want to do this. Every week of this series, um, we're going to talk about a trait of a disciple, but we're also going to offer you an action step for you to do something. Some week it might be something you know, that you might consider easier to do than another. Um, it's not a requirement, of course, um, but we're going to offer them to you. These are opportunities for you to act. And today, you get two action steps. You know, just because, why not? So, actually, because these both have a communal aspect to them, okay? So, I want to share with you these two action steps based on what Jesus says in Matthew 16 and what we read in Acts chapter 2, all right? So, this is not just a, hey, this is something we really, really, you know, would like to have here, like, because this is a very tangible, real action step that you can take part in, all right? But it's based on what we see in Scripture, First action step. Your church community, so here, unless you're a visitor and you have a church community somewhere else, so this would be true for that place as well. Your church community needs you to serve on Sunday mornings. 
Um, I think I have needs in all caps there. I don't, oh, they're all in all caps. So I'm just yelling at you. Your church community needs you to serve them. No, but my notes, it's all smaller, but needs is all caps for a reason. This, is a need, like, this isn't like, hey, we really would like you to, or we really hope you will, or we think it'd be super neat if you did. I mean, those are all true, but I got to tell you, like, we need more people to serve on Sunday morning. I don't know if you noticed it, but you've been served already this morning. I mean that in a good way, right? Um, you've been served. Like, so when you came in the door, someone was there to greet you. Um, unless you like snuck in some secret door that we don't know about. But like someone was there to greet you. You were served. Someone was in hospitality in the lobby and they served you. There was an usher to serve you as you came in. The band has served you. The tech team has, is serving you. If you've got kids and porch kids right now or in our nursery right next door, someone is serving you right now. First of the month, we share communion together. And oh, what an honor it is to be a part of that group who gets to serve you communion. There are so many ways that we get to serve one another. And we need servers. We need people who will step into some roles because, you know, the last year and a half, more, 20 months or so has been really, it's really spread us thin. I mean, we have some super, super faithful people who have served both services every Sunday for weeks and weeks and months and months on end. So we need that. And, and I would, and, and I, please hear this. Oh, please hear this. I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to guilt you, so do not receive that if that's what you're feeling. That's not for me, okay? I'm not trying to cajole you or strong arm you into going, oh, I better serve because well, I say it because I, I'm just, I'm presenting a need, and we read in Acts chapter 2 that the disciples met the needs of one another. And we have a need. And so an action step being presented to you, disciples, today is to intentionally establish, make it a priority to serve the church that serves you. It's to serve. It might mean shifting a few priorities. It might mean shifting your Sunday morning uh, routine or priorities a little bit. It might mean denying self a little bit. Um, and it will mean demonstrating a higher regard for other people. But we find that in Scripture, right? So the first action step is that your church community needs you to serve on Sunday morning. You're going to have an opportunity to respond to that need towards the end of the service. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But first, the, that's the first. Here's the second action step, okay? Uh, the second action step, talking about the, a trait of a disciple is to be communal. So in community, you serve, but also in community, well, be in a community. Get into an eight-week community group. During this series, we are starting, some met last week as kind of a, a pre-warm-up, but like starting this week and going forward, we're going to have eight-week community groups that are starting. We have 15 community groups that are going, and some of them have been going continually. We've got high school groups that have been meeting, but they're still meeting, and they're still open, and you can get into it for sure. We've got college groups. We have young adult groups. We've got young couples. We've got older adults, somewhere in the middle adults. I love one group. They're called the pre-middle-aged moms 
group, so that's a very descriptive, like, so um, then there's one that's kind of hippie. They're called the Disciples of Love. We're not, but they said something about tie-dye shirts. I'm not sure about that. It's it's a good group of people. I know them. Um, But like, so we have all these groups, okay? There's options. Community. Because here's why I say this, and I know, I know that some of you right now are going, ugh, why does she keep talking about community groups? Dear Lord Jesus, can she please stop talking about community groups? I will stop talking about community groups when we've all experienced the beauty of community groups. How about that? I'll make a deal with you. Okay, so... A community group does what Acts chapter 2 does. A community group does. What do they do? They gather to eat if they want to. Okay, they share a meal. A community group gathers to share a meal. They pray together. You're going, I don't pray. You know what? Someone's going to be in that community group that will pray, so don't worry about it. Show up. Maybe eventually you'll be like, you know what? I'm cool praying, but it's okay if you're not right now. But they pray together. They read the Bible. Study scripture together. They encourage one another. I'm quoting Acts chapter 2 here. They serve one another and they serve others. They experience koinonia, that togetherness, that communal aspect. And I have to tell you that that community groups, that is where the Christian life, the Jesus following disciple life, that's where it happens. I love Sunday mornings. I love it. But life happens in community. Life happens in community. Because I know that you can and you do. You listen to some fantastic teachers. Like people who I, I never in my life will be able to teach and communicate the way that some people do that many of you listen to on the regular And at any moment of any part of the day, you can listen to worship music. You might might worship in the car. I mean, there's something, I don't know, it's hard to take away from the community of worship, I gotta say that. But but I'm talking about with community groups. In those moments, that's where the real nitty-gritty, honest, look you in the eye, I hear you, I see you, I understand you, I'm praying for you, why are you doing that weirdo, you need to stop that, like those kinds of conversations can happen. Community, where you are seen and where you are heard and where you say, hey, you know what, I've got a need, can you meet it? Or I see that need in that other person, let's, let's meet that, hey, together let's go and serve someone else. Koinonia. Because see, the first trait of a disciple of Jesus is to be communal. We see it. And so in a moment, what we're going to do is you're going to have an opportunity to respond to these two needs. You, You can take action steps, like you can actually act on these things. To be on a serve team, to get in a community group. Try it out for eight weeks. But before we do that, and I'm going to ask the band to come back out, I want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer and in worship. 
Because if, if, we, if we spend any amount of time looking at God's word and we see that it, like, it kind of goes, oh, wow, yeah, wow, I didn't, I didn't, you know, that call that, that Jesus said in Matthew 16 when he described a disciple, my goodness, I don't know if I've been denying myself. I really think I've made myself the top priority, and yet I'm seeing here in Acts chapter 2 that, that they actually made others a priority. And so we should be affected by God's word. So we want to spend a little bit of time in prayer together corporately, but then, you know, you on your own praying, maybe come up to the kneelers and spending time in prayer, but responding like, God, what do you want me to hear out of just these two verses today? These two passages, actually. And now I'm hearing there's a call to action. Wow. So we're going to respond to that in a few moments. But we're going to worship and we're going to pray. We're going to receive the offering. So you'll see a, a basket will be coming by down your row sometime during this time of singing. But let's pray together. God, it is through Jesus Christ that you have erased the burden of our sin. And so if any of us are feeling that burden right now, we can give it to you. Christ has taken it upon himself. We have been given forgiveness of sin. We just need to live into this. We need to accept this and, and say thank you, God, for this and live into this forgiveness. You have given us new life, and there is absolutely nothing that is greater than this, that is more glorious than this, that, that we should put a, in a greater priority than that reality. And God, I believe, based on Matthew 16 and Acts chapter 2, that right now, a lot of us feel that pull. We feel that call. We, we, we feel that, that sense of, I need to act. Because you've asked us to deny ourselves. You've asked us to follow you. You've called us into community. So, God, would you help us? Help us, Lord, to answer that call to action. Lord, would you receive our worship? Would you receive our voices? <laughs> would you receive our praise? Would you receive our offerings? And would you receive our actions today as our response to you? Because our only desire, our sole ambition is to love you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.